Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Thousands of families across the country have started to get their double child benefit this week. As part of the cost of living crisis, this month's payment will be 280 instead of the usual 140 per child. Lots of parents are naturally delighted by this. It'll hopefully provide a much needed relief to so many families. But today, others are saying that they don't need it and that they plan to donate it to charity instead. There's a woman in today's papers saying that since she would probably just spend it on extra Christmas presents, she plans to give the extra money to somebody who needs it more. Now, the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, has said wealthy families who do not need the double child benefit payment can gift it back to the state. I don't even understand how that would even would even work. Um, But would you do this? Are you somebody that doesn't need the extra money? Um, The thing is always thrown out there. Poor El Bono always is the poster child for whether or not child benefit should be means tested. People say, sure, Bono gets it. Should the people who don't need it give it back or give it to charity? Do get in touch and let us know what you think. But I'm joined on the line now by spokesperson for Spark, single parents acting for the rights of kids, Louise Bayliss. Hello, Louise. Hi, Claire. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. What do you think of people donating back the extra money? I think it's a great idea and um, it was, I know that on Tuesday, I think Heather Humphrey said that people could send it back to, to um, return it back to the Department of Social Protection. However, that money will just get lost and it's like an extra taxation on yourself. I think there are real need of families who are in real need, in desperate need. We ask for targeted measures as part, as well as being spokesperson for Spark. I'm a member of National One Parent Family Alliance, which are 10 or- national organisations that deal with lone parents. We know the poverty that our families are suffering at the moment. And um, we would think that tar- we had asked in the budget that there would be targeted measures to help those families through the cost of living crisis. In the, we think a better way of really targeting child poverty is to direct that money into the qualified child increase. We asked for that to be 12 euro per week for children over 12 because we know that's where deepest poverty lies. And for 7 euro a week for children under 12, we got 2 euro a week for all children, which is 30 cent a day. Those families are really going to suffer. And just the minimum essential standard of living, which is a survey carried out, it used to be by the Vincentian Partnership, now by St. Vincent de Paul. They calculated what families with teenage children who are reliant on social welfare would be. And both for lone parents and two-parent households, once there's a teenage child in that family, the um, anticipated shortfall deficit every week is going to be over 93 euro a week to meet the minimum essential standards. So that's really shocking and there are families who are going to be suffering. So uh, I would say that um, the idea that it goes back to government um, where it is, they're making decisions that aren't evidence-based because the evidence is there. We know where the poverty was. It's it, the, the decisions they made were politically proofed, not poverty-proofed. And if you're serious about trying to help children who are living in poverty, that money should go back to child, to, you know, to charities that are targeted with children. I work in Focus Ireland, so I, obviously I'm going to tout for Focus Ireland, but I would also say, and, and I know they deal with children who are in the worst, most vulnerable situations in homeless emergency accommodation, but also organisations like One Family or St. Vincent de Paul, where they can really direct support those children where we know they're going to experience poverty next year. Because we're not just talking about the pressure of Christmas and, 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 and families looking to, you know, buy presents for their friends and family. There were 
Figures released this week by Bernardo's in their cost of living survey, one in four parents fear not having enough money to provide food for their children. That's the reality of the situation. That's that's the reality. In Spark, there was a comment put up. Now, this is a couple of months ago now, but somebody put up, has anybody noticed the increase in the cost of living and you're shopping each week? And, you know, I expected the normal, yeah, I can't believe it. And then one comment put up and it was just so telling. And she put up, no, because my budget is the same. And what I, you know, my I spend 70 euro on little I don't have any extra money. It's still 70 euro. But what I notice is I'm bringing home less food each week. Now, that took my breath away. And I thought that's the level of poverty some families are experiencing. And when you have research like the minimum essential standard that are saying people are going to be 93 euro short of meeting their minimum standards. So that does mean if, if that's just the minimum standard is just adequate food and heating. So if it's 93 euro short, at the moment, parents have been able to shelter their children. But if if you're talking about that jump of 93 euros deficit each week, children will not be protected. And it's so important that and if government are make, aren't making the evidence-based decisions, it is important that we direct it to charities who will get right into the core. And if, you know, I certainly wouldn't put pressure on families who are struggling. And I know there are middle-income families who have high mortgages and are worried about things too. And I certainly wouldn't be asking them to donate. But in the case of that lady in the article who felt it is only going on luxuries, you know, people should and, and please do donate to a charity that's dealing with children. Uh, Louise Bayliss, will you stay on the line there, please? Because I want to bring yeah. in former CEO of Bernardo's and columnist with the Irish Examiner, Fergus Finlay. Fergus, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. What do you think of this idea? Should we be taking a more targeted approach? I mean, perhaps the intention is good. Perhaps it's just good optics for the government to be reacting to the cost of living. But rather than send out a blanket increase, should we be targeting it to the people who really need it most? Well, we've always uh, argued that we should be targeting child benefit. I've always argued we should be targeting child benefit. And attempts have been made over the years to do that. But it doesn't appear to be possible. It is a universal payment uh, and it's given to everybody. And the truth um, is that, I mean, thousands and thousands of families have just come through the, the really high-pressured experience of sending their children back to school. Uh, and middle-income families, low-income families have struggled mightily in the last month or so to try to ensure with the cost of uniforms, the cost of books, and all of that kind of thing. It, it's a pity, in a way, that this didn't go out a month ago because it, if it had been targeted at the return to school, it would have helped an awful lot of families at the time when they needed it most. I totally agree with Louise that if... The worst thing we could do with this, first thing I should say is, if you can't afford to give, don't, okay? Nobody should feel pressured into giving up that uh, little windfall um, because it will help an awful lot in an awful lot of ways. Um, But if you can't afford to give, do. The worst thing you could do with it is give it back to the government. Absolutely the worst thing because they have no plan for how to spend it. If they were spending it on the qualified child allowance, as Louise said, if they could guarantee that, uh, then yes, by all means, but then it will just disappear. It will just go towards next year's even bigger surplus than we had this year. So I, what I would do, I, I, I should say, I, I won't get any child benefit allowance. I don't have kids at that age. Um, my kids are getting child benefit allowance for their kids at this age. So what I would do is 
Um, if I knew somebody who needed the, the break, I'd give it directly to them. Uh, if I didn't, I would give it to a charity that focuses on children. Louise has mentioned several. Um, the ISPCC, Bernarders, of course, where I, where I worked for many years. Um, they will find all of those children, charities, will find um, that the thing that happens at this time of year is that demand grows exponentially and resources get stretched or get tight um, at the same time. So this will be, if this is going to be a windfall, let it be a windfall for those organizations that work directly with children um, uh, because they, they know how to spend the money wisely. They know how to ensure that it goes to the kids and the parents who need it most. Um, and Louise is an expert in this area. She knows more than I. Um, but we all know, I think, that single-parent families in the next three months are going to... Single-parent families with two or three children are going to really, really feel the cost of living at, at a, in a very sharp way and at a very sharp edge. And that's where the money should be going. And I suspect the best way to get to them is to give it to those charities that work most closely with single-parent families and their kids. And if we drill down into it a little, Fergus, I sometimes wonder why we don't target it a little bit more because it just further sets up an us-and-them type mentality. There's no question of the people who are struggling and what real struggling means, but of the middle-income families that you mentioned there, all we're hearing is there is a recession on the way and we don't know what's happening next. Even though you might have more money than another family now, often child benefit might be put away to save for a rainy day fund if somebody loses their job or pay for a college course or be there if somebody gets ill. So it's very hard to kind of decide who's more deserving without sounding like you've no sympathy for somebody who's living in poverty. Well, that's fair. That's entirely fair, Claire. And I know families where a proportion of the child benefit is put aside every month to provide against uh, what happens when the children do their leaving cert and want to go to college? Uh, and and you know I know I know families where it is saved or some of it is saved ag- against the future, but I also know families where every last penny of it is spent on food, on clothes, on socks, on underwear, on all the things that children need every day. For years and years and years, I I I I mean I have a personal view that the universal payment that we make should be lower than it is and that the extra money should be targeted. We have tried over the years to try to persuade. The, the, the fundamental problem, and it's a simple one, in, or ought to be a simple one in this day and age, the tax and social welfare systems have real difficulty talking to each other um, in, in computer terms and in, in uh, you know, cyber terms. Uh, so, so they have never found a way to enable the money to be means tested and they've never found a way to enable the money to be targeted. I've I've always believed myself that it's about two two billion, two and a half billion a year that is spent on child benefit alone. I've always believed myself that we should start all over again. We should take that two and a half billion from fresh and say, how are we going to spend it best? And in my view the way to spend it best is to make the universal payment a bit smaller and to uh, have uh, additional payments or payments at different times of the year. There should always have been a double payment in the run-up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. There should always have been a double payment in September or August when the kids are going back to school. Uh, and and we can we could do that if we planned it and worked it uh, and, and, 
and managed it better. Yeah, I, I did think that, that myself. I think a strong argument for a universal payment. But yeah. I don't know that it needs to be at the level it's at at the moment. No, when I heard of the cost of this double payment, I did wonder, could that money be better spent with everything that's going on right now? Um, Fergus Finley, stay on the line. I want to bring Louise Bayliss back in. Um, there's a lot of messages coming in along these lines. This is an email from Eamon and he says children's allowance is too high in Ireland at 140 for the first two children. The first child should be 50 euro, second child 20 euro, third child 10 euro and fourth and subsequent children zero. I still think it should be universal as welfare recipients get everything handed to them. Eamon's a little bit blind to the reality of life out there at the moment, would you say, Louise? Completely. I'm, you, you know, the idea that a child, because you have a fourth child, that child is less value. That's that's a horrible message to give. Um, I, I agreed with everything Fergus said there. Um, totally, I suppose, with one caveat that I'm always conscious that some middle class, some wealthier families, there could be um, coercive control, financial abuse, and sometimes the only woman, money a woman gets is the child allowance. I'm always conscious of being protective of that one independent income a woman gets if she's staying at home. So I'm always, you know, protective of that. But I think in this case, um, he's saying that the child benefit is too high. The child benefit in 2008 pre-recession was 166 euro. It then went down to 160 and then down to 150. And I think it's been at 140 for the last 12 years or so. Um, so it, it has been... It has been decreasing year on year. But I think the idea that people on social welfare are getting everything is if he really believes that he should try going on social welfare and see like why I always get confused when people say oh I'd be better off on social welfare and yet if they got offered redundancy tomorrow they wouldn't take it because underneath people realise that it is not a life that anybody would willingly choose. And then there are barriers. There are people who are on social welfare who are there for very legitimate reasons and um, maybe because of the cost of childcare, maybe because they have disabilities for whatever reasons, or maybe they have care obligations for older parents or whoever they have care obligations for. And people like that should be supported. And even when people talk about some job seekers and they could be out working, nobody would want to choose that unless there's some type of sort of whether it's a mental health issue or whether it's um, not being given the opportunities in school. I remember once I was, when I was, you know, I was working with this young person and he was 24 and I suggested to him, would you like to go to, because Focus Ireland have a service called Pete, which is, helps people get jobs. And I said, would you like to go to get, to, you know, I'll give you a referral to. And he looked at me as if I was nuts. And I thought to myself, I am nuts. Because he said to me, Louise, I'm 24. I have a criminal record and I don't know how to read and write. Do you think I'll ever get a job? And I thought, how sad is that at 24? And you know what? He was he was more based in reality than me in one sense, in that he knew the barriers that were there for him. So do I think because he wasn't given the breaks as a child, he, you know, he fell through the school system, he fell through so many systems. I could tell you the amount, you know, I could, I know his life yeah, story. And so many like you, him. 
and so many like him and the, the break in social contract that he was let down by society and then that be, because he's 24 and hasn't a hope of getting yeah, a job do yeah. we condemn him And that, that is the reality Absolutely of the situation no. yeah. and you know if Eamon wants to bring it down to that level and remove the empathy from the situation the more children we have the more future tax payers we have into the system so it's really important that we invest in them and give them the solid foundation that every person deserves we will have to leave it there to get to what listeners have to say but Louise Bayless spokesperson for Spark and also to Fergus Finlay former CEO of Bernardo's and columnist with the Irish Examiner thank you very much for that Maria has texted into 53106 at a cost of 30 cent. Wealthy people who get children's allowance are already paying huge taxes, so are well entitled to get it. And, you know, even as you kind of ring fence Bono, as this country loves to do, the amount of humanitarian aid work he's done or just because you earn money doesn't mean that you're not giving loads of it away to charity. There's a lot of assumptions we make about the very rich that we also make about the very poor. Pete says it's wealthy people's taxes that are paying for the children's allowance. Why would they work so hard and not get anything in return. We're just saying should it be a bit more targeted but I take your point. Pat says apparently there's a legal issue with taxing child benefit. The money is actually the child's money which is paid usually via the mother because a child generally has no means then it becomes a universal payment. And this is a text that came in that speaks to something Louise touched on there. Child benefit is hugely important. I was in an abusive marriage where my husband kept charge of the money. I was a housewife and depended on the children's allowance. My husband had a good job, but I had no access to that money. If it was means tested, we wouldn't have got anything. It saved me and my children. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.